Hello, my wonderful friends. Oh my goodness, we are only two days away from the Wife Project pre-sale. Oh, there has been some blood, sweat, and tears that has gone into this course, you guys. So many things that have gone wrong um, with technology, and I just feel like the enemy is trying to squash it, but I so believe God is behind it. There were some tears even today. But Jesse's been very encouraging. My heart is encouraged. I feel ready and prepared. And I got through all of the growing pains. And now we are here two days away from the Wife Project course. So if you don't know about the Wife Project, I will tell you briefly about it. And then we will jump into Matt and Lisa Jacobson's amazing episode. I loved this episode, you guys. So the Wife Project from Roommates to Soulmates is an eight-week biblical video course. It is about 10 hours long. So there are two bonus hours now that I've included, plus a 55-page Wife Project journal with actionable marriage challenges, marriage questions, journaling questions, to get to the deep-seated issues in your heart and in your relationship. I have conversation starters, communication builders, date night ideas, and so much more. And it's 55 pages packed full, but I know that some of you don't have printers. So I've also made it a digital file that you can fill out on the computer. It is for singles, for engaged women, for women who've been married one year up to 50 years, however long you've been in a relationship. This is something that will prepare your heart. My heart behind the wife project is that you grow so deeply in your relationship with Jesus that it has to pour over into your marriage so deeply and so widely, and that you will have the chance to evaluate your own heart, the areas that you need work in, in order to better love, serve, care for your spouse in the way that God intended you to. So I'm talking about everything from forgiveness, from betrayal and the little things to being a crown or a thorn to your husband. I'm discussing what it means to walk alongside a husband who is spiritually dry or lukewarm or is not a believer at all and what leadership should look like in your home. I'm talking about becoming best friends again and building on that relationship, being spontaneous, looking one another in the eye, but also doing things side by side in order to build that solid friendship. I'm talking about how the gospel should and can impact your marriage and your view of your husband and so much more. You guys, this course is packed with scripture, packed with encouragement. I've had Christian counselors, Christian marriage therapists looking over the content as well as just regular single girls and married women who have come back with such encouraging words. And I pray and hope that this Wife Project blesses you in the same way. So if you're interested, um, just go to the link in my bio on Instagram at living easy with Lindsay, or just scroll down from this episode and you'll see the link for the wife project course, and you can get on the wait list. You'll be notified as soon as we launch. And you can see it also on my Instagram page on the morning of the 17th. I'll have all of the details there, but don't miss it. The presale is only open for two days. And then the regular open doors are only open for five days. So a total of seven days and then doors are completely closed and you can't purchase it afterwards. So make sure to get on the list, make sure to get prepared. And I will also be sending out accountability emails to help you stay on track with the course when life kind of distracts you and pulls you away so that you can actionably, joyfully, wonderfully pour into your marriage and see a change from roommates to soulmates. So I love you guys. Let's jump into the intro for Matt and Lisa. 
We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. We are with Matt and Lisa Jacobson today. Matt and Lisa have been married for 28 years and have eight children and are the authors of the books, 100 Ways to Love Your Husband and 100 Ways to Love Your Wife, among many others. So thank you so much for joining us today, Matt and Lisa. Absolutely. Nice to be here. It is great to be with you. So tell us why you're experts on sex. (laughs) Tell us about your interests and how you became two people who fluidly have these types of conversations and embrace the calling that God has given for our sexuality in marriage. Well, first of all, we're not experts and we wouldn't put ourselves (laughs) out there in that way. But We do have ministry where this is just a natural part of talking with couples about a subject that can be really challenging. But the way we really look at this is there's nothing more normal and natural about a great sex life. If you're a Christian, I know lots of Christians have very challenging sex lives. And there's even maybe a stigma, maybe not so much in today's current culture, but Historically, there's been a stigma about the subject of sex. And that's because people don't pay attention to what the Bible says. I mean, this is a book that started with two naked people in a garden, right? So, I mean, (laughs) God. So, this is something that is just a natural, wonderful part of being a believer. And people look at what's common and they go, oh, that's normal. But that's not normal. What's normal for the believer is what the Bible said. Well, and I love that you started with Adam and Eve. So can you talk a little bit about God's design for sexuality, that they were naked together? And then you see the Song of Solomon, where it is true intimacy and enjoyment in the sexuality. But it seems to be I think like you said, it has evolved, thankfully, in the Christian world where now thankful, like because of podcasts and books that there are more resources that discuss this. But I do still sense when I speak with people that there's this taboo around actually enjoying it rather than just doing it for the sake of doing it or again, out of obligation. Can you talk a little bit about God's design for pleasure? The thing is, is that Satan is the antithesis of what God is. I mean, he is the enemy of God. He's the enemy of everything good, beautiful, and wonderful, right? Mm -hmm. So God gave 
mankind this gift of sex. And it's got certainly a function relative to the development of culture and society, right? We do need children, but the pleasure aspect of it wasn't necessary for the procreation aspect of it. So clearly God added that as part or created that as part of the experience that it should be pleasurable. And he didn't just do that for the man. He did that for the woman too. And so we see then in God's design, a real element of mutual enjoyment, giving and taking and experiencing something together. And obviously it's all designed, even the parts and how it all works, it's designed to be together and to enjoy each other together. And really the way we think about sex and sexuality has to do a lot with the relationship. It's part of the oneness. And oneness in the Bible isn't just about the sex act. It's about a spiritual and an emotional healthy oneness in this entity that God created when he made two one. And so we see God's design for pleasure in the very creation of a man and a woman's body. And so much of that has to do with just communication. When you have a relationship, right, you understand there's going to be communication, there's going to be work, there's going to be finding out, exploring who you are and what kind of person you are. And the same is true in your physical relationships. So in your sexual relationship, you shouldn't be surprised that there is some of that. What do you like? And how does this sound? And does that work for you? And where are you at right now? And if we ignore those things and then just isolate it as a physical act, well, that does take a lot of the fun out of it. We certainly encounter lots of couples that have challenges in this area. And we encounter lots of wives who feel like, well, I'm just doing my duty. You yeah, know, that's it. <laughs> yes. But sex is the one duty a wife should never have to do. Okay. All right. You have to explain yourself. <laughs> which, which is to say, I'm against sex. No, which is to say that if it's a duty, it's not that there's a problem with your sex life. If sex has become a duty, there's a problem with your marriage. There's a problem with your relationship and you're not understanding what God's intention is. And you're not finding the relationship and the closeness, intimacy, and the wonderful oneness that God has for you. So if sex is a duty, I would just say to anybody out there, I would say the problem really isn't your sex life, the problem is your marriage. There's something there that is missing that needs to be addressed and understood. Would you say that there's a deeper, I know you're saying the marriage issue, and I fully agree with you. And also, do you think that there is just a heart issue? Maybe could that be dependent on the situation, but if they are going toward sexual intimacy with their spouse with a begrudging heart or with frustration, would you say maybe that's a misunderstanding of who God is in that way or how God has created that? or a heart issue within the marriage that needs to be addressed? I think it can be really both things. Sometimes it's just a heart of not wanting to give, not wanting to enjoy, but it also can be a heart between us, like that we haven't been communicating, we haven't been letting each other know where we're at and and, and making an effort for that. And sometimes it's even a simple, I'm going to speak just to the wise right now, it's something as simple as, it would just really help me if we didn't wait till the very last minute when the lights turned out and it's 30 and, you know, cause it just takes a lot of the fun out of it for me. It's, yeah. it's more enjoyable for me if we, you know, start first with- thing in the morning. <laughs> oh, oh right. I mean, <laughs> I would fully agree with that though. I mean, Lisa, I very much relate. And I think that's the thing, especially for me, I have two little boys and I am touched out by the end of the day. And I feel very much like, 
oh my gosh, I'm finally to myself. I can finally just sit. And that is when the effort is had. And a lot of the time, if I, I try not to reject, if there is initiation, I do try to be intentional without doing that. But I have also learned to communicate that is the last time of the day that I want that maybe during nap time or in the morning or something that I would love to be intimate, but I don't feel like I can give my best self to you at the end of the evening. And so helping him to understand that instead of just making him feel like he's being rejected or I'm not giving my energy in those moments, I think has really helped. Another thing that I think about is after I had my seventh child, I was just tired. Imagine that. And oh my gosh. I had <laughs> lost the desire. And I did, I actually prayed for it. I asked the Lord to give me a physical desire for my husband and that he would renew that because I wanted to do that. I, I wanted to, you know, continue on in that relationship. I just was out of stuff, you know, and the Lord he answered that prayer. I mean, he really did. He gave me a renewed physical desire for my husband. And part of that, some things we've just talked about in terms of timing, in terms of things that help me feel more up for it. So I'm not taking away those practical things, but just even the spiritual level, I felt God honored that prayer. The other thing that I would want to add to this too, though, I think there are a lot of wives who don't want the sexual relationship because they're protecting their heart, Hmm. right? It's not just that they're being unreasonable and withholding, but rather they're hurt because a husband might be pursuing them for just that, for just sex. And that's a hurtful thing. And you probably have men listening to your podcast, Mm -hmm. probably a lot of women, but men too. And your wife desiring sex has so much to do with you desiring her, not physically, but you desiring her as a person, you being interested in her. What are her thoughts through the day? How is she feeling? What is she thinking about? Is she concerned about anything? I would just ask them in. Do you just love talking with your wife? Do you enjoy her? Do you pursue her as a person? Because the woman who is cherished in that way loves giving herself to her husband. And so many men miss that. And they don't realize that it's not about, you know, getting her to a place where she's willing to have sex, but rather pursuing her and loving her as a person throughout the day. And it's just amazing what a call in the middle of the day says, where you just say, hey, there's not a reason in the world I called you, except I just wanted to hear your voice. and I want to know you're okay. How you doing? I love that you're speaking to that as well, because I think it's those at least I can speak for myself, but those emotional intimacies and even the small intimacies, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but the coming and giving them a big hug or giving them a kiss every time you come home from work or from the store, just letting me know or letting your wife or husband know that they're seen and that they're loved and that you do care for them. And I find that the more I'm intimate with touch, or if we just kiss throughout the day, or if we play and flirt and tickle and just do things that are loving toward one another, it is so much more comfortable to give myself fully to my spouse because it doesn't go from zero to 100. You know, you're kind of on the roller coaster of going toward that precipice of the point. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a marriage coach. I work with couples around the country. And one of the things that I say to the guys is, I don't know why you would walk through the living room without reaching out and, you know, (laughs) 
touch <laughs> Give it a little squeeze. <laughs> okay, but but why not? Or yeah. and make sure when you walk in the door that you're looking for her eyes mm-hmm. and you're just communicating, hey, how are you doing? I'm just glad to be here. I just like you. And just pursuing her that way. But also, why walk by each other in the hall without, you know? I don't know, studying anatomy using the Braille system. (laughs) My friend actually just told me I was visiting her the other day. And she said, if I'm leaning over the countertop and my butt is sticking out and my husband doesn't smack it, I'm wondering what's going on. Like I am fully (laughs) putting myself out there for him. And I have to ask him, like, why didn't you do that? And I laughed because she actually asks him, like, what's going on? Why did you not give me that attention that I'm obviously like flaunting that I need? And, but even being willing to communicate those things, I think can be so healthy being willing to, we have this stigma sometimes within marriage. We'll talk about all the issues and all the yucky stuff and all the hard stuff. But then when it comes to the enjoyable, pleasurable intimacy, which I understand that there are underlying situations in all marriages, but I do believe just as communication is healthy emotionally, it's also so healthy physically. And so you all talked a little bit about communication and what you like and what is enjoyable. So I want to talk a little bit about foreplay. Do you both believe that foreplay is something that is important in a marriage? And if so, or if not, why? Okay, so it kind of depends on how we're defining terms, but... What we have found is the worse or out of order, we'll say, the relationship, the more important foreplay becomes, right? The thing about foreplay is what is it? It's getting your spouse into a place where she, he will want to have sex, Mm -hmm. all right? But the irony is, is that if you have a wonderful relationship, if you're cultivating that relationship through the day, if you're pursuing your wife as a man, if you're communicating value to her, if you're letting her know she is a cherished woman, that you love talking to her, you love her thoughts, her ideas, you love hearing her voice, you just love being with her. And yeah, when you walk by, you just give her a little squeeze or touch. If you're doing those things, you're going to discover that foreplay is vastly less important because what foreplay is tragically for a lot of relationships and think of the hookup culture foreplay is tremendously important there right right because there's no relationship so foreplay is increasingly important where there is an absence of intimacy real relational emotional intimacy in the relationship so it's not that it isn't important at all or it you know that there's no place for it it's just that you can put such an emphasis on it where the real emphasis should be on pursuing that person, loving that person, cherishing that person and letting them know. And guys who are listening, just remember, you know, your wife just loved the fact that you desired her on your wedding day. Well, guess what? She's never stopped desiring to be desired. That's never stopped. So pursue that and you'll find out that foreplay is less and less critical for her being in a place where she wants to just with joy, give herself to you. Yeah. And in my mind, foreplay is what you, we were just talking about, just all those little touches starting from first thing in the morning all the way up until let's just assume it's going to be an evening connection. Mm-hmm. And I would say all of those things count. And as a wife, there's actually a lot of things you can do for yourself to get yourself in the mood. I found this is just practical me talking, but 
by coming over and pressing into my husband before he leaves for work or sitting in his lap when he gets home. Those are all things that not just get, not just send a message to him, but they actually send a message to me. They get me kind of thinking that way. So I think that is really helpful as well and can count. So it's not just on you to provide that. It's, it kind of, it goes both ways. There's a beautiful verse in the Bible that says, live with your wife according to knowledge. Okay. So where is she at? How's she doing? Who is she in this moment? What's gone into her day to bring her to the place that she's at? The week, what's been on her mind? Does she have concerns? What are the kinds of things that are interesting to her? The kinds of things that are attractive to her? The kinds of things that she desires? Well, knowledge is something that is acquired. You're learning something. So if you're going to live with your wife according to knowledge, you are going to pursue her to get that understanding, to gain that knowledge, to understand what are the things that she might like or not like. And we just think the conversation is super important when it comes to sex. You know, what are the kinds of things that you like? What are the kinds of things you don't like? So we'll just tell a funny little story about us. So I'm nervous. (laughs) It'll be great. (laughs) (laughs) So early in our marriage, Lisa would always rub my back. Oh, Okay. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. You can tell this one. <laughs> and I, go, I don't want you to rub my back. I want you to rub my front. So anyway, but, but the point is, is that she was doing what she wanted me to do with her. She mm-hmm. loved my hands on her back. Yeah. That's sexy and to me. so she's doing that to me. And I'm going, would you get your hands off my back? Why are you rubbing my back? It was bugging. <laughs> right. And so I needed to live with my wife, according to knowledge. I needed to learn that it was just super inviting for her, for me to run my hands on her back. And so that's just one little example. And there are many others. Hey, maybe we should talk about, okay. Anyway, I'm kidding. But, but, (laughs) but, but that's one example of finding out what your spouse likes and they're not the same as you maybe, but often there is something that is meaningful to them or something that's off putting. All right. Take a shower, guys. Yeah. I'm just but sometimes there's something that, and who knows what the trigger is or why it's even there. But it's really important to understand what each other enjoys and likes. This is about pleasing each other. And the more you please the other person, the more they're going to be engaged and enjoy the process. And I'll just add, we found that to be an ongoing conversation. It's not just a one time. We've been married almost 30 years and we're still having these conversations because people change or situation changes and it's still a growing relationship. So we check in with each other. Hey, how are you doing? How was that? You know, what yeah, you don't like? just assume that, you know, what would you say to someone who may not know what they like? Because maybe one partner, and I know that this can be men or women. I definitely don't limit it to just women because I feel like I have plenty of people who struggle with the man, not having a libido or not being really interested. So if they don't have an understanding of what they like, because it's always been to the point and just kind of make it happen get it over with, how would you recommend maybe exploring that or just trying to figure out, I don't know, or even communicating that to their spouse that they want to know what they enjoy because they don't always feel like it feels good. Well, that sounds like a great coffee date conversation. Yeah. Okay. As opposed to we're in the moment because 
if you're just in the moment and something goes sideways and it just doesn't, you know, then all of a sudden it awkward. It's, or yeah. And, and, and just takes the fire out of the moment. So have that conversation over coffee. It's a date night conversation. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's talk about this. And I want to communicate just some of the concerns I've had, some of the thoughts I've had, uh, some of the things I'd like to maybe think about trying. And I would just encourage you to say, hey, you know what? Sex was God's idea. So this is a great conversation to have. There's nothing awkward about it. There's nothing that we should be reticent about or shy about. Have the conversation God gave you to each other. The Song of Songs, you know, you remove the euphemistic references to fruit. And that is a solid R rating right there. <laughs> yes. And, and this is God's idea. So go on a date. And hey, tonight we're going to just talk about some of those things and getting to a place where you're seeking to bless the other person. Mm-hmm. What would you really enjoy? I want to do that. I want I want to come together and then respecting each other just for everybody brings filters into their marriage. All right. For various reasons. And so respecting each other, if there's a line that your spouse doesn't want to cross, then don't push the envelope. Don't do it. Don't do that. But there's a lot of latitude in what a Christian couple can enjoy because, you know, God made it pleasurable for his purposes, his blessing on us. And sometimes those conversations are hard work. Just one of the people have to work really hard to think of, now, why is that? Why don't I like that? And instead of just like, I don't want to talk about it. You know, I don't want to think about it. Well, relationships are hard work sometimes. And you are going to get to spend the time and commit to this that you'll go, wait a minute. Um, you know, why do I have to have the lights out? And maybe that would be a difficult, but really healthy conversation to talk about that so that he or she can better understand why. And then maybe even just like, you know what? I don't want to live like that anymore. I want the lights on or, you know, you can see where I'm going with this, but bring you even closer together, not just physically. That's one benefit, but also just even spiritually. and And to live in that freedom of one another because Jesus is not created bondage. We're not to live in bondage. And I believe in our marriages and in intimacy, it's the same thing. We have been offered this freedom. And I guess maybe I'll kind of transition a little bit in that because two things. So for me, I've always enjoyed lingerie and my husband was a pastor's kid. And so on our honeymoon, it was like this really awkward thing because he was like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. (laughs) Like he was convicted and I'm like, no, we're married. This is okay. I didn't want to make him uncomfortable. So it became a conversation. But I remember a woman sharing with me that she had a really hard time putting on lingerie or trying something new because of a past affair or past pornography addiction And this is one of the most common questions that I receive is how do you overcome this? How do you fight this? And I know there's a whole emotional road of counseling and communication and talking through these things, but say that there's already been forgiveness or that there is, I guess, repentance and working through the pornography addiction. How does a woman or a man, how do they work back toward their marriage together with comfortable free intimacy. Sure. First off, you know, the Bible says repent. I'm speaking to, let's just say the man has the pornography addiction. The Bible says repent and repent means to turn from. So if you've had a reputation as being unfaithful and you've brought treason into your home, this is unfaithfulness, right? I mean, Hey, think about this the other day. So let's just say I'm the one, you know, I've been 
using pornography. All right. So yeah, you know, four times a week I get on my computer, you know, and then, but you know, I'm convicted, man, I got to repent about this deal. So I start praying and boy, I cut it down, you know, by 75%. So I'm only going on there. So I come to Lisa and go, Hey honey, guess what? You know, I was 75% faithful this week. Okay. I only went to look at pornography one time and normally it would have been four. So you excited about that on? See, the only faithfulness that matters is total faithfulness. All right. So the thing about somebody having that, you know, pattern in their life, they've got to understand there is no place for that in the life of a believer. And could I just mention, I do teach a course called Freedom Course. Mm -hmm. I teach men that they can overcome this pattern There's a guy in a class right now. He's been in this pattern for 20 years. The man has found freedom from this, okay? And he's walking in purity now. So God has a plan of purity for you. But for the woman who is essentially the victim of this treason in her marriage, you know, that takes a miracle of God in her heart to say, I'm willing to continue on. I'm willing to go on. But what she needs from the man is she needs consistency over time because that's how you change a reputation, Consistency over time. If you've had a reputation as a treasonous, unfaithful rat, because that's exactly what you are, an adulterous rat, okay, if that's you and you have damaged her in this way, then you get to walk in faithfulness and holiness and you get to walk in righteousness and, and consistency over time. She's got to go to the Lord for healing in terms of her own heart and forgiving somebody that's a repeat offender like that. Tragically, I deal with a lot of couples and the, yeah, the pastors told me that I'm just supposed to just go right back. And, and here she is in a situation where the guy has not actually repented. That is outrageous. Okay. That is absolutely outrageous. You should never be forced into that situation as a woman. If you've got it, if, if there's a situation where the man hasn't genuinely repented and said no, but in terms of how do I get to a place where I'm willing to just be free and open, this is about God's healing in her heart. Now, yeah. obviously, and counseling, and like it said, sure, absolutely, to work through, absolutely working through those things. But God can bring that. We need to be in Christian communities where we're held accountable for our behavior. And that's how our church operates. No man would ever get away with this in our little assembly. Wives write me and say, what should I do? What should I do? Well, because I don't know their situations, I'm not going to go, hey, that you did A, B, C, D. I'm not going to do that. I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you what my wife would do. Okay. She'd come to me and she'd say, you have until six o'clock tonight to tell the other leaders in our assembly and confess to them and tell them what you're doing. And if you don't, by then, I will tell them. Because it's going to be a public discussion. There is no hiding, you know. Now, again, we have godly, wise, biblical people in our assembly. Not every church is like that. So I don't know, you know, you've got to be in a community where you can really trust that leadership to not come back at the wife, but to hold the husband accountable. But anyway, do you have some thoughts? I know I'm just going on and on because it's such a hot button issue with me and the freedom course is, is my address to this. In the I show. appreciate so much. I have mostly 
female guests. And I know that this topic is one that women, obviously that's why they ask it so often because they don't hear that side or their husbands are maybe not part of this community. And so they're not hearing from a male's perspective. I mean, honestly calling them out, which I really appreciate. So please don't apologize for going on. I feel like both of you have so much wisdom. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want this just to be Q and A. I'm like, let's ask all these questions because it's good. And it's, it's a necessary reminder for me the first church I ever went to when I was saved turned out to be kind of a mess because the pastor fell from grace, so to speak, but he spoke on these topics boldly. And it was something that I still to this day am so thankful for because I was a 19 year old trying to figure out what it looked like to find a godly man. Just like you, Matt, he didn't make excuse for a man's behavior or a woman's behavior in that infidelity or addiction but instead called them up to something higher. And so I appreciate you doing that. And I feel that it gave me the power to stand up for what I knew was right, because I know that there are many couples who brush it under the rug and say, well, it's just pornography. It's not an affair, you know, <laughs> but it steals so much from your marriage. It affects your brain physiologically. It impacts everything. And so I echo you and just not diminishing that and also making it public will be hold them accountable instead of pretending it doesn't exist. So to transition a little bit, Lisa, this is something that I would love for you to speak on since you have eight children. After having a baby, in those moments when either you're struggling, you're breastfeeding, you're touched out, like I mentioned, how did you transition back into that stage? What did that break look like? And was there frustration between your marriage because of those breaks? How did you handle that time? We don't like having a long break, to be honest. We actually try to make it as short as possible because the longer you go without coming together, I think it's the more difficult it can be to, to return back to a healthy rhythm of, of coming together. So, yeah. so we try to make it as short as possible, but we also did a lot of the communicating and sometimes we would get creative. So maybe we, you know, I couldn't actually have sex, but we would get sexy together, mm-hmm. those kinds of things, which really helped us to still be very close and be very sexual, even if we weren't able to actually have sexual intercourse. A lot of guys will justify going off and satisfying themselves in the shower without telling their wife. That is completely unacceptable. It is completely wrong. And you're basically a liar. You're going and pretending that you're faithful to your wife when you're actually just off by yourself. Having said that, though, obviously, we're not going to have sex, but we can lay together and, you know, yep. we can, <laughs> you know, you can touch each other and yeah. you can masturbate and that's fine. Now, I know right there, people are going, wait a minute, masturbation, you know, okay, fine. Just show me the verse, you know, in the Bible. If you're with your spouse and you're together and you're open and walking with each other, you're not hiding from each other, you're not running off and, you know, doing your own thing. This is, I believe, perfectly sanctioned in the word. And again, I don't know how you can read Song of Solomon and not even see some of those things there. So you can get creative and you don't have to wait forever. And you can be with your wife and she can be with you in a sexual way, even if you can't have sex during that time. But again, you shouldn't be demanding. And you know what? She just went through a big deal and she sacrificed a ton. You can sacrifice a little bit too. It's called disciplining yourself. 
And I appreciate that differentiation between lusting after another woman secretly and are on a screen or with a book or whatever it might be for you. And instead admiring your wife and allowing that to be pleasurable for you instead of it being something that divides you, it can still bring you closer together. Oh, absolutely. And that's the only perspective a a man who claims to be a Christian, you can call yourself a Christian or you can be a biblical Christian, right? And that's the only perspective that he can have is that beautiful, she's wonderful, and she's just given me a child and she's given our family her love and her heart and her life. And so... That's the way you should think about it. I just like to think of some other practical things is communicating that, you know, if you took the baby for the next hour and I could just take a bath, mm-hmm. like that would just really help me and having him see that, yeah. it up, by you just holding the baby for, you know, eight to nine and me getting to have this bath is going to really help us later in the evening. So that it's not a big mystery or a big, you know, why aren't you up for this? Like, oh, I just needed a little break, just some time to myself and yeah. no one touching me for an hour. Yeah. yeah, I think that's reasonable to communicate. Oh, it's yeah. thoughtful. It's it's not just reasonable. It's the right way to think. And it's being caring and thoughtful. You know, on the flip side, from a woman's perspective, there are times where I have just purposefully chosen to bless my spouse, not because I was in the mood or not because I was even up for it, because I just wanted to bless him. And I feel like that's kind of out of sync with today's culture that, you know, we're not supposed to do that. But just biblically speaking, there is something to be said for that. And I happen to know that there are many times where my husband has laid down his life for me when he didn't necessarily feel like it. Yeah. Whether that's, you know, paying a bill or even just taking me to dinner when he probably, not that you'd admit it, but you might've just wanted to, you know. Watch watch TV. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. there was that time where I didn't want to have sex and you did. And I just said, you know what? I'm just oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> laying down my life for you. Yeah, I appreciate right. that. <laughs> so thoughtful. Okay, so this will be my last question. And it kind of goes into this as well. My husband jokes, we actually had this conversation last night. I said, what would you ask? He was like, well, some of the conversations that we've had <laughs> is that sometimes sex doesn't have to be this huge ordeal Because I will say my husband is a servant in every term and I'm very thankful for that. But sometimes he's like, sometimes it's just quantity over quality. Like for me, he says not to say I don't appreciate quality, but it does make it more fun. So can you give some ideas to couples who feel stuck in a rut of switching it up? And I don't even mean it doesn't have to be quality over quantity, but just in the sense of not always doing what you're used to doing location, Mm. time, positions, whatever it might be that it is okay or your opinion on if it's okay to spice things up a little. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, so absolutely. Why not change things up? The one thing that we would say though, is that sex is sexy. Okay. Sex is God's idea. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to, you know, go get the apparatus that, you know, from Ikea and put it all together <laughs> and dive off the top. Or, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So I think we have to be careful with the world that is constantly raising the bar because we're kind of bored with what we're doing. So now we got to try something else. And, 
you know, now we got to bring this in and show up at work in Saran wrap and whatever it is, like (laughs) have to keep elevating the experience, you know, to get to that place. So on the one hand, Hey, sex is sexy. It's God's idea. And there's all kinds of room for creativity there. Just again, respecting each other and yeah, yeah. Change it up. Try something different and have fun. Enjoy it. Because remember, God added the element of pleasure to this experience. Yeah, and, uh, that's good. And it can go both ways. It can be the husband or the wife that can add that little spark of fun. And, I, you know, I like throwing him off a little bit every once in a while just for fun. He's always throwing me off. So that's why I <laughs> say it that way. But, <laughs> you know, just to the, hey, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Or, oh, that's kind of different. And and it is does make it fun, something we can laugh, we can enjoy, yeah. and not just do like, okay, the sex routine. We also talk about maintenance sex, mm. right? Yeah. Because that. that's that quantity and quality thing. Sometimes, you know what? Life is just busy and hey, let's come together and, and go to sleep, you know? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's really important, I think, to, again, have a biblical perspective about our bodies. Mm-hmm. And that's very clearly outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where this crazy, surprising statement is made. The wife doesn't have power over her own body, but the husband. Now, we get all huffy about that, right, in our society. But then it turns right around and it says, likewise, the husband does not have power over his own body, but the wife. There's literally an equal standing on this subject of, you know what, your body belongs to me, my body belongs to you. Again, in the context of living with your wife according to knowledge and respecting each other. Mm -hmm. But remembering, you know what? You're one entity and I have rights to your body. You have rights to mine. I don't get to withhold myself from you. Right. So that's what the Bible says. And it says, hey, come together often that you don't put yourself in a position of temptation. Okay. So I said that was my last question, but when you brought up (laughs) respect, I promise this is my last question. As we're talking about spicing things up and being innovative, what would you say in that to someone who maybe either party is pressuring the other to do something that they are uncomfortable with based on their past experiences. Maybe something was offensive or hurtful or harmful to them. And their spouse is saying, come on, like, I just want this. I like this, but the other person doesn't feel freedom to do that. Well, we do believe that at the end of the day, I mean, you can have the conversation, you can find out why the person feels that way, but that you get to respect the other person if they do not want to, for whatever reason, do not want to go there or try that. And you can pray that God changes their heart. You can try to maybe heal something if it needs to be healed, but you would just never inflict yourself because that's not love. Love doesn't demand. Yeah, that's right. The verses that we just read, those have to be taken with 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Mm -hmm. What does love do? All right. It seeks not its own. All right. So if you're seeking what you want out of this and it isn't about loving, creating a circumstance where the other person is really enjoying. And if if you're not giving in this and it's just about seeking what you want, it's not love. And so we have to be really careful. I don't want to overplay those verses and take them in isolation. They have to be in the context of the scripture. But you should never pressure your spouse to do things that your spouse doesn't want. Now, on the other hand, you should ask yourself, hey, am I in this way of thinking? Do I have this way of thinking because of something that 
you know, brought me to this place and what is that? All right. But there are certain parameters where you just go, you know what? That's a bridge too far. And we don't need that because you know what? Sex is sexy. So sex is God's idea. God said, enjoy each other. So do that. But do you really have to take it to that extreme limit? Because, you know, somehow you've chosen not to be satisfied with what God gave you. We would say never, ever pressure your spouse to do something that she or he is probably mostly she is not comfortable with. Thank you so much. I mean, you answered a ton of the things that I know that my listeners are going to be really eager to hear. So I appreciate you both so much. I appreciate your wisdom and your ministry and your time here with me today. Can you let our listeners know where they can find you? Tell them all about your resources and everything that you offer. I have a website, club31women.com. It's a contributor site, but there's lots of great articles on marriage, parenting, faith. I'm also on Instagram at club31women and... We have a podcast, the Faithful Life Podcast. I love your podcast. Thank you. We've (laughs) taken a break, but we're going to be coming back in February. Yeah, absolutely. Faithful Life Podcast. And then I've got a couple of things that I offer. Faithfulman.com is my website. It's actually under construction right now. You can go there and see the old site, but we're revamping it right now. But that's faithfulman.com. I also teach freedom course. And that's at freedom.faithfulman.com. I teach it live. It's something that uh, I do live once a week, four months. We meet four times. It's really intensive. I'm a very kind of direct kind of teacher. So you got (laughs) to come for the direct teaching, but the Lord has used it powerfully in the lives of men to find real freedom. And so, and then uh, the other thing is I am a marriage coach for people who are looking for somebody to work with them in their marriage. I absolutely do that. And that's at You can find that at faithfulman.com too. Well, you are changing lives by the grace of God. So I'm very thankful for that. For our listeners, please do tag Matt and Lisa in this episode and tag at Living Easy with Lindsay. Let us know what you thought, what you gained. Always make sure to share if you enjoyed the episode so that others can find freedom in this topic that is just not discussed enough and that we are trying to bring light to, to show the purpose of sex and God's beautiful design of the sexuality. So share on stories and tag us and let us know what you think. If you haven't already subscribed, please take a second to subscribe and rate and review and we'll talk to you guys next Monday. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you are blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.